exploring the investment landscape with a guru's wisdom and a strategist's insight. Good Life Companies presents The Market Enthusiast with Noah Brooks and Chris Needs. Welcome back to another installment of The Market Enthusiast. As always, I'm Noah Brooks and with me, Chris Needs. Chris, let's talk about the end of the year rally. I mean, it was a crazy rally, wasn't it? So, um, you know, here in January, we're at all-time highs again. It took two years and a month, but we're back. Yeah, 4,800, right? Yeah. 4,900, if I'm not mistaken, yesterday. Yeah. Um, good stuff happening. Uh, fourth quarter of 2023, market rallied substantially. Um, anything that was underwater, it brought it up. Bonds rallied. Stocks rallied. Uh, just really... Um, I think the last few days of the year, it didn't work out so well, uh, but for the quarter and but for most of December, it was just, you know, risk, risk on. Um, so I don't want to say it saved the year, you know, because the beginning of the quarter, I think they were, the market was up maybe 15, but S&P ended up 26, mid caps up uh, 17, small caps up pretty close to 17, bonds up five and a half across the board. So all in all, a pretty good year. And, and you know, we were, we were joking a little bit earlier uh, about those bears. You know, there were a lot of people that were calling for a, even a deep recession in 2023. Um, you know, some of the stuff that I saw on television was the, the worst market since the 1930s or 1929. Obviously, none of that happened. Most of the economists were wrong. Don't know what's going to happen in 2024, uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about some of the numbers that that made it work. Uh, we're mid January right now, and so far year to date, we've had some job numbers come out. January we saw 216,000 jobs being created by the U.S. economy. Strong report. Yeah, str strong report. So d December number came out in January. Um, for the year though, I I added it up. Pretty, pretty handy to be able to do that. I added it up 2.7 million jobs created for the year and net new jobs since the beginning of COVID 3.8 million jobs. That's a lot of jobs without a doubt. Now I'm going to come back with the every month's initial revision on the jobs came down. Yeah. Um, some sub substantially. Uh, there was one month, I believe it was July, where the second revision actually took that month back to above the initial reporting number. But very interesting. I don't think it's that consistent normally that they always get revised down for the most part. Yeah. So that was a little surprising. Yeah. Now, my, my numbers include all the revisions with the exception of no, November and December. Uh, but I thought that was, you know, that's that's a fair number of jobs. I actually did a little bit more math. And I came up with that since the turn of the century, since December of 99, the economy has added um, almost 26 million jobs, 25.8 million jobs, net new jobs, right? That includes the global financial crisis where we had a big job loss. It obviously includes COVID. I mean, that's that's a fair number of jobs, 20, almost 26 million jobs uh, in the last 24 years or so, 20, 23 years. Um, you do the math, you know, I would just say, and I'm, I'm going to probably say this a, a few times throughout, don't bet against the American economy. Yep. And we've been outperforming international for, it seems like every year there has been, I think, two exceptions since the great financial crisis, but our economy is the best of the best. <laughs> the best of the best of the best. 
so here we are mid-January, I already said, we had some GDP numbers that came out this week, uh, blew, blew the expectations away. Um, fourth quarter GDP came in at 3.1 year over year. And if I'm not mistaken, was it 3.3 quarter, 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 quarter yeah. over quarter? I mean, those are good numbers. Those are not recessionary numbers um, and they're not pointing to anything. At the same time, I would think that the Federal Reserve was looking for lower numbers. Yeah, I, I think they would have expected with their level of activity, they would have seen lower numbers. But even when you're looking at jobless claims um, continuing and initial, you know, they're coming in right around where they're expected to be. You know, th there's not this fall off like you, you would have expected based on the Fed activity. So the economy just keeps chugging along. So I, I know last time we were here, I, I used the word transitory and kind of made light of that. It does seem to some degree that that spike in inflation headed up to 9% was, was really temporary and or transitory. Um, it does feel like there's some things that are a little bit sticky, though. We did see a slight uptick. I think it was 3.4 versus 3.2 expectation on CPI. Um, talked that up to services were really high. We talked about um, it was transport services. So like car maintenance was way up. I remember hey, you what about insurance, that, right? Insurance was way up as well. I think it was 70 year over year, up 70 or something like I don't that. Know, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, but I know I don't like insurance payments, but it, it was definitely one of the high low lights, I guess, of a higher print. So I was having this conversation about, about the insurance um, print the other day and here batting some things around. Here's kind of what I came up with. We drove so little in 2020 and significantly less in 21 than we did in 2019. And they didn't raise rates. They, in some cases had to, I think, lower rates because mm -hmm. people weren't driving. And then at the end, 2023, they had to make up for it all. And they essentially just moved the rates to where they would have been had we not had COVID. Yeah. That's uh, the best I that, that I could come sense. up with. Yeah. That's the best I could come up with. Um, so you said new all-time highs, right? Uh, we didn't get a Santa Claus rally, though. We did not. Yeah, no Santa Claus. What, last seven days of the year? Didn't, didn't happen. I think right. the last six days of the year, we actually closed uh, flat or down. But we'll just look at that from look what we did in November and earlier December and skewed numbers. We were very, very overbought. So, you know. Yeah. But I, I go back to this. I, I was talking to someone uh, earlier today about this and I used my old Rip Van Winkle analogy. You know, you just said we had two years between all time highs, right? So mm -hmm. January 3rd of 2022 all the way to January, I think, uh, 19th or 18th last week, it took to get all time highs. Now today, I, I you know, from that, from that period to today, I think we're up 2% on the S and P 500, not a great number, but if you were Rip Van Winkle and you had fallen asleep and December 31st of 2019, and you woke up today, what you have is 4 million new jobs. You have the S&P that's up 50% since you fell asleep. And you have a bond market that's still underwater, though. 
right? Mm -hmm. the, the ag is still negative from, from that time period, if I'm not mistaken. But on stock market wise, I mean, that's a great, great return over, yeah. over a four year period. Never would have known what we've seen in those years happen for right? sure. So don't bet against the American economy. Doesn't mean the market won't go down. Just don't bet against us. All right. Um, let's talk inflation for a little bit. So you mentioned the CPI came in actually a little bit hotter than expected. Um, anything, anything in there that we should be aware of? No, I mean, it's not going to be a straight line down, obviously. I mean, core is still a little sticky. I think it was at 3.9 for December. Um, you know, we'd like to see that move a little bit lower, but with shelter being such a large, com large component and such a slow moving component, it's just going to take some time. Yeah. Shelter's, uh, what, 35% of CPI, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. You know, and, and I, I, we might have said this before, but uh, in the last hundred years, home prices have only declined three times. The Great Depression, uh, 73, 74, and global financial crisis, 2008 into 2009. And despite interest rates, they were still up 4% last year. <laughs> so they keep going up. Yeah. Uh, but existing home sales are kind of taking it on the chin. So I, I think there might be a scenario here where it's not so much that home prices don't go up or they don't go up at the rate that they were, but they just stabilize for, you know, some period of time until either rates come down or we've gone a long enough period that they, people say, Hey, I, I can't wait anymore. I just have to do it. JP Morgan had some research where they said, you know, holding house prices constant, they estimate that the market's really not going to loosen up until 2027 or 2028. So they expect sort of, I guess, existing home sales to sort of struggle till that time and, and no huge moves in affordability. Yeah. Uh, speaking of affordability and, and new home sales, somebody I know, um, their, their daughter bought a house with the proceeds of crypto. Oh boy. I don't know. I don't know if you, good for her. Yeah. Right? That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Uh, and it made me think there was the, the, it's new to me. I don't know if you saw it. Um, dumb money that just came out. It's about, uh, the kitty guy. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Right, yep, right. Yep. The, the guy that pumped, um, uh, GameStop, mm -hmm. the meme craze. Yeah. The meme yeah. craze really interesting yeah. movie. I mean, for, even for people that aren't investors, uh, or anything like that, they, they made it in such a way that they, you know, you could still understand it. But for me now, I, I Truth be told, I never owned any game stuff. Did you own any game stuff? No. no. Yeah. I mean, I, I missed that one, right? <laughs> um, but truth be told, you know, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting movie, and I would recommend it to anybody. I think it's on um, it's on Hulu or Netflix or one mm -hmm. of those. But you know, some kid that has, I think he started with uh, forty thousand dollars or something like that. And he wound up at, at one point having $30 million oh my gosh. and all, everybody around him, everybody listening to him. So this, is, this isn't about movie recommendations, but it, it brings me to my next thing, which is crypto. Yeah. We had the ETF approval happen earlier in the month and uh, it was a little bit of a debacle, right? So the day before the approval was due, I guess court mandated a, a certain timeline for them to approve it or deny it. 
and uh, the Fed got hacked. Apparently, <laughs> apparently it was a SIM card attack. Yeah, their Twitter, their Twitter, their Twitter account. Their Twitter account. Yeah. So or, or X, if you prefer. Yeah. <laughs> the day before, there was an announcement right after market close, which is when you would expect the announcement to happen, that it everything was approved and it had. Uh, Gary Gensler's face on it and everything and sent out from the official SEC Twitter or X account. And, you know, it just caused massive volatility because 10 minutes later, Gary Gensler went on his personal account and denied it and said, nothing has been approved. This is not true. There was a hack involved and there was a lot of volatility up and down in the, those 15, 20 minutes in between that. But the next day, of course, we did get the ultimate approval. So there were what 11 ETF spot Bitcoin yeah. um, approved and Bitcoin, I guess, has been going down since then. Yeah, right. So the, 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 news. the rationale was this whole lead up to uh, an ETF um, tracking product was that kind of like what happened with gold. Um, if you now have a way to access Bitcoin that isn't going on one of the, the crypto exchanges that you can actually get it, more people are gonna buy it. And the demand for that ETF will obviously filter through because it's a tracking product, they have to go out and they have to buy the coins themselves. Um, it doesn't seem like based on the price, it doesn't seem like that occurred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I assume you're able to short those just like anything else. I wonder if there's a lot of shorting activity that became possible based off of it, but um, I'm not gonna say a straight line down, but it hasn't appreciated since the-, the Yeah, it was about, it's about two weeks since it went out. If all of this money went in there and they had to buy the coins, because these aren't futures-based right. ETFs, right? These are, these are spot ETFs. If they had to go and buy it, how is it possible that Bitcoin went down during all this buying. It defies supply and demand, right? It, you know, seemingly. Now there was a lot going from, there was a GBTC product, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, that has a one and a half percent fee, which is far and away more than any other ETF that was approved. So a lot of it might've been going from there to a lower fee product as well being exchanged, um, but, so, so not real true buying, right? Just movement, movement. Yeah, it's possible. Do you, did you buy any? I haven't bought any, not yet. I'm, I, hey, I'm in, I'm interested. I'll check out anything, but uh, I haven't purchased any yet. Yeah. Um, has your team gotten any requests from from advisors or from clients? Or have been there lots of calls coming in? Surprisingly, not. No. I would say we. I haven't gotten as much attention. You know, during the big run-ups over the last several years, there were calls and questions that would come in, and people inquiring on how that would work. But uh, I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been too much uh, attention, I guess, from the teams that we speak with. Yeah, I suspect. I could be wrong on this, but I suspect that uh, I think Bitcoin was around thirty-five thousand today, thirty-five and a half, something like that. I suspect if we start getting a rally, you're going to get calls. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, it was right. at about 46 when it was approved. Um, yeah. Anytime anything rallies, you'll get calls. So <laughs> true, 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 true. All right. Uh, how about statistics to wrap up with anything interesting? Uh, well, um, this is just besides the points. And I apologize for digressing, but did you see Mark Zuckerberg's, <laughs> Uh, his cattle farm 
that he's, he's doing? He's, he's, I, 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 tell me about it. What he has it? a 1,500-acre estate down in Hawaii, and he wants to have the world's best stakes. So oh. he's going to have his own cattle farm, Wagyu and Angus cattle, and his intent is to serve them macadamia nuts for protein and taste <laughs> and beer. I didn't know cows like beer as well. So I, I always joke about vegan beef, right? Because the cattle eat grass. But now you're telling me they're going to be eating nuts. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be grazing and having grass as well. But yes, that's what he's supplying. Instead of, you know, the feed and all the stuff you, you hear about being fed uh, with fillers and things like that. But he said just pure macadamia nuts. So <laughs> cows on average eat five to 10,000 pounds of food. That's a lot. In That's their, a lot the, of macadamia nuts that he's going to have to supply. No, in one year. How much do you think an average human eats in one year? Me? On average, <laughs> one year. An average human. An average human. Uh, in total consumption by weight of meat in or one of, year. of everything? Just in one year. Oh. Um, ooh. 500 pounds. 2,000. I was surprised. Oh, it was okay. high. I okay. thought that was high too. Okay. But um, yeah, 2,000 pounds apparently. I just thought it was interesting seeing they eat five to 10,000 pounds. I'm like, that's a lot. Well, how much does a gallon of water weigh? Are they weighing it like that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. We definitely moved away from <laughs> the investment side on that one. Um, I guess let's, let's wrap up a little bit here. I think it's safe to say, uh, going back to the Fed, that this idea that they're going to cut in March is is gone. Um, so about a month ago in, in mid-December, um, FedWatch tool based on futures had the probability of a rate cut in March at around 80%. Today, it's in mid-January, it's around 45%. Um, so I think the, the whole thing is being pushed back. Mm -hmm. And there are little pockets of stickiness in inflation. Um, I'm not saying that we got ahead of ourselves, but the market might have gotten ahead of itself a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and there are significant things going on around the world. I mean, that could impact inflation. You talk about everything going on in the Red Sea. Obviously, you know, it's a 12, 10 to 12 day trip around the Horn of Africa to deliver things. If nothing's going through the Red Sea. Yeah. You know, container ships are containers for shipping are up over 150% in last month. And then you also have a drought going on in the Panama Canal that a lot of Maersk ships can't use apparently. So they're going around. So Maersk, one of the biggest shippers in the entire world, if not the biggest, is not having efficient or optimal trips for delivering. So, I mean, something to be on the, on the eye out for, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that could definitely affect, I mean, if, if you go back to the rise in inflation in 2022, you know, we can debate the percentages, but there's there's no debate that a big portion, a big factor of the increase was supply chain problems and shipping. Mm -hmm. Right. So if, if the we, costs were astronomical. Then. Oh, yeah. And yeah. no question about it, up to 20,000 or even more a container. So it's possible that if this if the Red Sea situation gets uh, worse Right. I mean, it's not great right now, but if it gets worse and and all container ships stop going around there, it's certainly possible that that cost goes up. I don't know dramatically, but it but it goes up. Let, yeah. Let's put it that way, which will have an effect on uh, the underlying cost of goods and services. Right. Whether it's a finished product that's coming in that we just go and buy retail or 
uh, if it's if it's an input component that goes into manufacturing, it's still going to raise it. So that could be that could be something that the Fed, I mean, not could be, it is definitely something that the Federal Reserve is looking at from an inflation standpoint. Um, and so that's, that's why I say it's, I think it's possible that the market got ahead of itself a little bit. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. new news. I think most people kind of, kind of saw that, but n- no rate decrease in March. Is that what we're saying? I would agree with that. Certainly. Yeah. Yes. What about when is the first one going to happen? Can we, can we bring it out? Can we talk about it? I'd say maybe July, July. Yeah. So second quarter, I'm actually thinking a little bit longer. If I had to put money on it, I would say third quarter. I don't, unless something dramatic happens, right? July is the third quarter. Well, <laughs> let's say later, later in the third quarter. You're right. You, yeah, you caught me on that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, let, let's say a little bit later. Let's say even beginning of the fourth quarter. That GDP number that came out, 3.1 year over year, 3.3. If January, now we're talking a few months from now, if the first quarter number starts with a three or a high two, the Fed is not going to be in a position to want to lower rates. Mm-hmm. And specifically going back to the inflationary trends in the late 70s, again, caused by a different setup. Um, Arab oil embargo, lots of different factors in there, but they're not going to make the same mistakes. It's not that it's fresh on their mind, but it is definitely on their mind about lowering too soon. Yeah. They're historians of the market. They can't make mistakes that have been made before. We sort of drug around his name through dirt, but Arthur Burns and and the mistakes that happened. Um, But yeah, they, they know what's happened before, and you're right. I don't think they're going to cut too soon with a three-handle on inflation, certainly. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm just going to wrap up. Here's what I'm going to say. Um, inflation seems to be transitory, but it doesn't mean that it's not a little bit sticky. So I, I guess the expectation is four rate cuts, but maybe significantly farther down the road than March. With that... Uh, We're going to end here. Thank you so much for listening today. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on The Market Enthusiast. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.